Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Appreciate you being here with us at First Baptist Barberville this morning. It's a, it's a good time to be at, at First Baptist Barberville. It's, it's been a really good week, and uh, this is a very, very busy season for our church. I, well, most seasons are, but this one is especially busy with all the different activities going on with upwards and all this stuff. It's a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of ways to get involved, but it's a lot of really, really good stuff. Now, last week's theme where we were in the Word, was, was pretty heavy. Dealing with personal suffering and loss and looking at Job's story and reading through Job's story and finishing that up this week. It's pretty deep, pretty heavy stuff. Now this week, we're going to move out of Job and our reading plan. And we crack open the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, another really interesting book. And, and those themes begin to shift gears just a little bit. We move out of the heavy, dark stuff to, to Moses actually going and God sending Moses to Egypt. As we sang about, as the choir sang about this morning, we're talking about the theme of when God says go. So we're moving out of Job's suffering into Moses sending. So God has this plan. Of course, we've talked about that. God has this plan even through Moses' life to work through his life to once again, it's a recurring theme, save his people, right? To save his Israelites. And again, what we're reading about in the opening chapters, the first four chapters this week in the book of Exodus, is something that God had promised Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15. And we see, once again, God coming through on His promises, which God will always do. So the end of Genesis sets up the beginning of Exodus. And we have Jacob and all his children, as we've, we've talked about and read about, have now moved to Egypt. They began to be prosperous. Matter of fact, Moses gives them the very best of the land of Egypt. And they just multiply and they do so well in Egypt. And Joseph, as we talked about, cares for them, provides for them and their children. And now their grandchildren and probably their children are doing so well. And we see them just becoming a, a people of their own in the nation of Egypt. But then the opening chapter of Exodus tells us something pretty harsh. And it's hard to wrap your mind around this. It says that there was a king or a pharaoh who came to power in Egypt who did not remember or know about Joseph. Now you think about that. Here's a man leading the nation that Joseph basically made what it was. He saved them. He saved the world at the time. Made Egypt this prosperous nation that it became. And this guy doesn't even know who Joseph was. How quickly do we forget our history, right? That's another lesson for another day. So God determines that now is the time to bring His people out of this 
incubator, if you will, to their own land where they can become their own people and become their own nation. And to do this job, who does God look to? God goes to none other than Moses himself, a man who was a Hebrew raised by Egyptians in Pharaoh's household. And he wants him to go back to Egypt to deliver God's people from what has become oppression and even slavery in the land of Egypt. Now that takes us to Exodus chapter 4 where we're going to be this morning. And in Exodus chapter 4, you're going to find many similarities between Moses and us and our reaction and our response when God says, go. Look at Exodus 4. We'll start in verse 1. And the Bible says this. So Moses answered, he's talking to God. He said, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me? But say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? It's a staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. Now, I always laugh when I read that. Like Moses just gets scared of this snake. Anyway, the Lord told Moses, Stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. I would rather go to Egypt than grab the snake by the tail, just to be honest. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. And it's almost like Moses interrupts him right here. He says, he replied to the Lord, please, Lord... I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And the Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Look at verse 13. Moses said, please, Lord, just send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he's on his way to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say, and I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you, and you will serve as God to him. And take the staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. This is another one of those rare moments in Scripture when God just appears and speaks directly to a person, reveals himself to a person, and sends them out on a mission, tells them where to go or what to do. And it's normally in a time when they're least likely expecting this to happen. There's a few cases of this in Scripture. And in Moses' case, God comes to him, and you think about this, he's telling him, go back to the very place that you've ran from, the very place that you escaped from with your life, the very place that you have all these bad memories, 
memories of, the place really that you've been hiding from for the past 40 years, go to this place and speak to these people. And just as we do, Moses comes up with all these different excuses for why God doesn't know what he's talking about. And why God is wrong and why God should just send someone else and let them do what he's wanting us to do. Now we'll talk more about those excuses tonight when you come back at 6 o'clock. But for now I want us to look at these three overarching truths that we got to understand when God says go. And the first one's this. When God tells you to go and do something, he will help them believe. Okay? One of the first things that Moses questions God with is what if they don't believe? And this is one of the first excuses I think that we come up with. We think, well, I know I need to share the gospel. I know I need to go have this conversation with my family member or my friend or even my child. But but what if they don't believe? And we end up not doing it just in case they won't believe. Because we're, we're, we're so afraid of failure. So what do we do? I think one of the things we have to understand as Christians, and this is, this is a hard thing to, to get, but it's so freeing when we actually grasp this, is we've got to understand that it is not our job, it's not even within our capabilities to make someone believe the gospel or believe in God. That is something that God has to do for them. Now, God will use our words and he'll use our talents, of course, and he's, he's sending you for whatever purpose he's called you, whether it be to, to speak or to sing or to preach or, or minister with your hands, whatever. And he'll work through all those efforts. But his role through the Holy Spirit is to bring that person to saving faith in Christ. Again, he'll work through you. Sometimes God will even do the miraculous things that we can't do. You ever have a conversation with someone and it's just like a wall is up when it comes to the gospel? Guess whose job it is to tear that wall down? It's not yours. It's God's. God is the one that will miraculously melt those hearts of stone and allow you to share the truth of the gospel with this person. Your job is to be obedient to the Lord, be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and just simply go or speak or share or sing or coach upward or build a ramp or doctor them with your hands or whatever the case may be. And God is the one that will make them believe. So in this story, God tells Moses, he's going to give him some special things, some signs and wonders that's going to go with him to help the people believe, to help them truly know that God has sent Moses and is working through him and wants to deliver them through his leadership. Now we see a similar approach all throughout scripture. Think about when God sent Jesus into this world. In Jesus' earthly ministry, God uh, accompanies Christ's words with all of these incredible miracles, right? When Jesus goes out uh, speaking to the crowds or, or ministering to them, we see him doing things like multiplying food or turning water into wine or calming the raging storm or healing the sick or even raising the dead and bringing them back to life. God would also do similar things in the early church through the apostles, right? God would send them out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to all the nations of the world, and they too would be accompanied by all these miraculous things, these signs and wonders, as the Bible calls them here, which God would use to help people believe and give credibility to the gospel message. So here's what I want us to understand. Today, God is still sending you out with signs and wonders. And you're like, what in the world is this guy talking about? God is sending you out with a miracle packed inside of you. 
to help people believe. And here's a few things I want you to understand today. Is One, you have the same Holy Spirit inside of you this morning that filled the early church in the book of Acts. You have the exact same gospel message, the very same words that the apostles preached 2,000 years ago, that Christ came to this earth, that God became a man, lived a sinless life, died a death that he did not deserve, rose from the grave, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and is coming back. You have that same message today. And not only that, but here's what I, I want you to really, 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 really grasp, is you have a miraculous story to accompany the gospel presentation. It's a story that no one can argue with. It's your story. It's your testimony about how God saved you and Christ changed your life. And you put all those things together and God can use all of that to ignite that saving faith in a lost person's heart. Now, it may not be your responsibility to make them believe, but God will, and we see this with Moses, God will give you the right words. God will help you speak. Now, how many people are afraid of public speaking? Does anybody want to switch jobs with me and Shane? I try to get Tony Mills to trade me jobs every other week, and he just won't do it. That fear that most people have, that's one of the biggest fears that there is, that fear is exacerbated by the gospel. I don't know why, but we fear not only speaking, but when it comes to talking about spiritual things or those very personal things regarding our faith, it's just so overwhelming for some of us and we're afraid to do it. But what does God ask us to do? What does the Great Commission demand that we do? We have to speak about these things. God beckons us, all Christians, to speak, think about this, about the loftiest ideas this world has ever heard. And, and he demands that we talk about those most personal things that, that, that we don't like to talk about. Uh, it, our personal faith, our beliefs, what happened to us, our experiences. And yeah, I'm a proponent of sharing the gospel through deeds. I'm a believer in building those bridges by, by meeting someone's physical need, just as Jesus did, to build a bridge to share and have a spiritual conversation. But at some point, guys... By necessity, there comes a time when we literally have to verbally share the gospel and open our mouths. Now, now many Christians believe, this is where we begin to fall apart, right? Many Christians believe they can't do this for whatever reason. Well, my work hinders me from doing this. I'm just not, like Moses said, I'm just not a good speaker. I don't understand everything about the gospel myself, let alone am I able to, to really go through it with somebody else and help them believe and understand it. But listen, when God calls you to do this, He equips you for that task. He will give you the word just like He gave Moses the words. He'll give you the ability to do whatever it is He's asked you to do. And here's something interesting in Moses' story. As I was reading through this and just studying Moses' situation, it hit me this week that there's something God didn't do for Moses that, that he could have done. And I think this is the way that God often, more often than not, works. And, there, and there's good reason for this. And we'll dig into it a little bit. But God... Is, is telling Moses to go, and, and Moses reminds God, just in case God has forgotten, that he's not a very good speaker. Now, what's the most logical thing to do in this situation? Heal Moses' speech problem, right? But what is the one thing God does not do? He doesn't heal Moses. 
Instead, he, he says, you can have Aaron. Aaron can speak. He'll go with you. And yeah, he wanted to accomplish these things through Moses, but he wanted to use Moses in the way that Moses was gifted in things like leadership and administration and and even being a prophet between God and the people. And to counter those giftings uh, that Moses didn't have, he brings alongside people that can speak like Aaron. And I think when God does this, I think one thing he's doing is he wants to broaden his work. And this is why the church is so beautiful. Because there's a lot of people in here that probably can't speak really good. But then there's a lot of people that can. There's a lot of people that maybe you can't go out and swing a hammer and build a wheelchair ramp. But someone can. And when you put all this together, God is, is broadening his work for his mission by incorporating all these different people who are gifted in different ways. And for Moses, it brings alongside this man named Aaron as a spokesperson. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons, again, why God God does this. One, it keeps us humble. When you realize you can't do everything for everybody, it humbles you. And that leads to relying on God and being dependent on God for the things that He's asking you to do. And then thirdly, it also shows God's strength in your weakness when God works through you in ways that you never even imagined were possible, just like with Moses. And it's just the way that our very wise God does business. You look all throughout Scripture. Everybody had a a partner. There's no lone rangers. Paul had Barnabas, two very different personalities who God placed together at the right time to do this incredible ministry. Jesus, when he sent out the 12 to to minister, he sent them out, the Bible says, two by two. Batman had Robin, right? Tyler has Shane. Now, when I, here's what's going to happen. I just, there's going to be a fight tomorrow in the office about who's Batman and who's Robin. And uh, I'm no Robin. I'll just just leave it at that. But this is, this is how wise our God is. Instead of just giving one person everything that they need and all the talents and all the gifts and abilities that this one person needs, He brings two different people together. Like me and Shane, for example. Shane is strong where I'm weak and vice versa. And it, He creates this incredible team. And where me and Shane are both weak, what does God do? He brings in somebody else to the table that is strong in that area. Or some, for whatever reason, he says, well, here, I'll just teach you guys how to do this. And equips us for that task in that time. And here's the last and perhaps the most important thing we've got to realize this morning. Is when God says go, he means for you to go. And guess what? God has already said, Go. Jesus has already said, go. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. We have our marching orders. This is not an option for us to sit about around and and talk about or debate. It's not a task for someone else. Here's a big Baptist truth for you this morning. You can't pay the preacher or the missionary to do your going for you. 
The Great Commission is a command for all of us. It's not a suggestion. You, you, you are God's plan to reach those around you. You are plan A for reaching your lost children and your lost family. You are plan A for reaching your lost friends and your co-workers. We, the church, are the plan, the only plan for reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I get it. You look at this story and you realize, well... God didn't give Moses much of an option. He actually got mad when Moses came up with all these excuses. And honestly, I think God gets a little perturbed when we come up with our little excuses too. But Moses, think about what if Moses had said, just, just no, when God told him to go. There's no way Moses could realize at this moment in time that he was going to be doing a thing that would lead these people out. And in this moment, in this period in history, when Moses does this for the next 40 years of his life, this is going to be the defining moment in world history for the nation of Israel. Where do do Jews today, where do they go back to in their history? The most important thing, they go to this moment. God bringing them out of Egypt. I think about people like Mordecai Ham. Maybe you don't know who that is, but what if Mordecai Ham, who was... By the way, a Kentucky preacher. What if he hadn't went to North Carolina and held a revival where a little boy got saved by the name of Billy Frank Graham? What if we just said no? What if Moses hadn't gone? What if Ham hadn't preached? What if, what if we don't go? I'll tell you what if we don't go. If we don't go, then they won't hear and they won't come to saving faith in Christ and they'll spend an eternity in hell. Because we didn't care enough to tell them about Jesus. So, I want to leave you with this. This is so encouraging. This is, our attitude needs to be like this African martyr who was so ready to follow Christ. And he wrote these words down shortly before he died for his faith. And he said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. How many is unashamed this morning? He said, the die has been cast. And I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. And I'm done. And I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, or first, or top, or recognized, or praised, or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by Holy Spirit power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven, and my road may be narrow. My way may be rough, my companions may be few, but my God is reliable and my mission is so clear. So I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. And so I must give until I drop, preach, 
until all know and work until he comes back. And when he comes back, he'll have no problem recognizing me because my colors are true. Let's stand together this morning as we close. Here's a challenge to you today. It's very simple. Just go. Whatever that looks like for you, go. If you think right now, I would imagine you can close your eyes and picture a whole host of people in your circle of influence that are far from Christ today. So who's going to reach them? You. Go to your family. Go to your friends. Go to your neighbors. Go to the nations. We'll give you opportunities to do that. And for every excuse that you have this morning of why you shouldn't do it, why you shouldn't share the gospel, why you shouldn't be the one to go, God has a means of equipping you for the task. And He's called you be the one that might make an eternal difference in somebody else's life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. That he came and died a death that he did not deserve. To make righteous the people who did not deserve it. God, I pray that we would be bold enough, that we would care enough to take the gospel to somebody else. That we wouldn't hoard it up. And God, whatever goal looks like in in our lives, God, I pray that we'd have the faith to just do it. God, it may mean going out of here and taking somebody to lunch. It may be going to our child and beginning that gospel conversation. It may may mean loading up on an airplane and going to some faraway place. God, wherever you tell us to go, whatever you tell us to do. Help us be obedient. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that is lost, they need to take that first step and come to Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you for working through people like Moses and people like us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we sing a song of invitation. If you want to come and pray, you're more than welcome. Of course, the altar is always open. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.